Good morning, church. Good morning. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. I would like us to read Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, as an introduction to today's lesson. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Well, I'm especially concerned about those final words that are found in this verse, and we all should be. According to what the Lord said to the church in Smyrna, God's people must be faithful unto death to receive the crown of life. In the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, the Lord sent a message to each of the congregations in the area known as Asia. The Lord informed the congregation in Smyrna that they were going to face tribulation. And indeed, they were already facing tribulation, and the Lord was aware of it. But he said, you will have more tribulation. The Lord encouraged this congregation to remain faithful. And he said, if it would, then the members would receive a crown of life. Much of the New Testament is written for the purpose of helping Christians accomplish that goal, that is, to remain faithful. Now let's look at some things that are written in the book of Hebrews. The writer of this book understood that those to whom he was writing were undergoing tribulation. Their faith was being tested. The letter to the Hebrews was to help these Christians and us be faithful unto death. These people were undergoing tribulation and it was taking a toll. They were assured that if they would remain faithful, they would receive the crown of life as the Lord mentioned in Revelation 2 and 10. We should note in a general way that Hebrews contains several admonitions given to God's people which involve faith. If you recall, and I ask you to look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. In Hebrews 6, verses 11 and 12, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We need to follow the example of those who received God's promises by holding to their faith with patience. From these and other scriptures, we come to understand that faith is not just saying, I believe. It is a way of life. Not just our public life either, but how we pray, handle trials, temptations, and in our expressions of thanksgiving to God. From our lessons in Hebrews, we notice how faith is involved in receiving the benefits of God's promises. The Lord told the church in Smyrna to be faithful unto death, and they would receive the crown of life. That same principle is addressed throughout the book of Hebrews as we saw in our studies. 
Next, look at Hebrews 10, verse 22, which says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The very next verse, verse 23, says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This passage contains a very important admonition. We are to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Go on down now to verse 35, and we will read through to the end of the chapter. Notice the emphasis that's being placed on living by faith. Verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. God's people live by faith. I would think it would be interesting to see how many times that faith and patience are mentioned together. We've just read two passages where those subjects are linked. Without patience, faith is likely to falter. We understand from Scripture that faith is not a one-and-done proposition, don't we? In his second letter to the Thessalonians, Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. The other day I was reading from the Gospel of Luke where Jesus talked to his disciples about their responsibility to forgive one another. And after the Lord had finished, the disciples responded by saying, increase our faith. They knew that they needed some help in that regard. That's a good plea to make. Lord, increase our faith. Faith is linked to so very many important subjects. The 11th chapter of Hebrews contains a detailed study of faith. It tells us about the faith demonstrated by several of the great men and women we read about in the Old Testament. A couple of weeks ago, we examined five lessons from Noah's faith. Noah is just one of the great Old Testament characters mentioned in Hebrews 11. What I would like to do today is consider some fundamental principles that relate to faith that are dealt with in Hebrews. When the Lord said in Revelation 2 and 10, be faithful, do we know what the word faithful means? Of course, it means full of faith. But it also carries with it the idea of being dependable, being reliable, being trustworthy. The Bible also says, and we've already read one verse that shows this to be the case, that God is faithful. He's certainly dependable and he's trustworthy. He wants his children to be faithful as well. It is imperative that we be faithful unto death in order to receive that crown of life. 
If faithfulness is such an important matter, and it is, we need to be aware of some fundamental things that relate to it. Now, as Dale said this morning, I'm very much aware of the fact that most of you have probably heard these things taught. But I'm reminded of what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'll paraphrase. I know that you know these things, but I'm going to remind you of them again. In other words, there are certain things that are just so important that we need to be reminded of them on a regular basis. I know I do. In the opening verse of Hebrews 11, we are supplied with the definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I suggest a general definition of faith might go like this. Faith may be defined as believing what God tells us in the Bible and following his instructions so that we can receive his promises. That's a classic definition of faith. Notice that faith is described as substance. The word substance may also be translated assurance of things hoped for or confidence of things hoped for. The word evidence may be translated as conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If we're concerned about being faithful, which we certainly should be, we need to know what faith is, and we have been looking at faith over the past few months. Faith is the evidence of things that you don't necessarily see or experience yourself, but you believe them, you assent to them. We believe, even in the assurance of first-hand experience, that these things are true. Let's consider Romans 10 and 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I wonder if perhaps that's why there is such a lack of faith today. People don't come in contact with the word of God much anymore. How can they possibly have any faith? It's amazing the statements that some people make about the Bible. When someone makes a negative comment about the Bible, that person needs to be challenged to identify the verse under consideration. Most often, they can't give it. I'm sure that many of us have experienced that people who make these derogatory remarks are often just repeating what they have heard someone else say. Many of us, fortunately, have been taught to do some thinking for ourselves and not to take anyone's word when it comes to the scriptures, but to search the scriptures and determine if what was said is right based on what God has revealed in his word. I wish those people making these derogatory remarks would take the time to do that, but it takes effort. And unless they're challenged, they're not likely to make that effort. Our faith is based on God's word. Romans 10, 17 says, as we read just a few moments ago, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Since our faith is based on God's word, we can understand things from the past that we have not seen. The book of Hebrews shows that to be the case. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, 
so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Our faith is based on scripture. And scriptures say in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth with the details of creation supplied for us. In Genesis 1, there were six days of creation and on the seventh day, God rested. All those details concerning creation are revealed in this chapter. With our faith based on scripture, we can understand things from the past that we have not seen. I certainly was not present at the creation and you were not either. How do we know that the Bible record is accurate? How do we know that God created everything in six days? The scriptures are dependable for they are the inspired word of God. When the Bible says that God created everything in six days, we believe that even though we were not present to see what took place. Faith is described as the assurance of things, hope for the conviction of things not seen. With our faith based on the word of God, we can understand things from the past. I was thinking the other day about how people can be ignorant of history, and when they are, they often repeat its mistakes. It's true that sometimes history can be uncomfortable to remember. We do not like to see remembrance or reminders of unpleasant things that have happened. Monuments of past wars, for example. Now it's true that some may want to glory in those things. Yet they also serve to remind us of that horrible time in our history. If we are not aware of those events, I fear that we are bound to repeat them. We need to understand things from the past. How do we know George Washington ever lived? He's called the father of the country. I never saw him. You didn't either. We have the historical record of his life, just like we have the historical record of what happened at the creation. Moses wrote it down. We are able to read it so we can understand the things of the past that we have not seen. Faith enables us to do that because our faith is based on God's word. Now, I want you to notice that faith also allows us to look in a different direction. With our faith based on scripture, we can understand things in the future that we have not seen. Let's look at how this is demonstrated by some of the great patriarchs in Hebrews 11. Go to Hebrews 11 at verse 13. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had been called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. These great Bible people who died in faith were looking for something. God promised them a city, and they spent their lives looking forward to that city. Why did they do that? Because God said it. They believed it. They knew it was going to happen. 
Faith, when it's based on scripture, will allow us to know things in the future that we have not seen. That's illustrated by some of the great patriarchs. Let's look at what Jesus said in John 14, verses 2 and 3, where he talked about some things that we've never seen. He talked about things that will occur in the future. John 14, at verse 2. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Our Lord talked about his return, and he said when he comes back, he's going to take his followers to his father's house, where there are many mansions. The Lord has gone there to prepare that wonderful place. Well, we have never seen the father's house. How do we know the father's house exists? Because the Bible says so. How do we know that Jesus is coming back? Because the Bible says so. How do we know that the Lord is going to take his faithful followers to that wonderful place called heaven? Because the Bible says so. We've never seen heaven, but we believe with all our hearts it exists because our faith is based on the word of God, on scripture. With our faith based on scripture, we can understand things from the past that we have not seen. We can also understand things that will occur in the future that we haven't seen. If we're going to be faithful, we need to be mindful of these principles that relate to faith. We need to know what faith is, and we need to realize that it has a profound effect upon our understanding. With our faith based on scripture, we can look back in time and know certain things we've never seen. We can also look forward in time and know about some things that no one has ever seen except the Lord. Let's look at another fundamental principle revealed in Hebrews 11, verse 6 now. It contains the statement, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This verse shows us that faith is essential. How do we know faith is essential? It's because this verse says that without it, it is impossible to please God. Now that's stating it in a negative way. The positive point we should learn from this is that through faith, We can please God. As we look at what the Bible says about faith, we see that it's possible to possess different degrees of faith. Consider what's written in Mark 4 and 40. This verse shows us it's possible to have no faith. In this verse, the Lord asks a question of his disciples after he calmed the great storm that arose on the Sea of Galilee. Remember, they were frightened. They thought their lives were about to be lost. And they asked Jesus if he cared in verse 38. Well, after Jesus calmed the storm, he asked the questions, why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? These are men who have left their livelihoods, their families to follow Christ. Did they have faith? Yes. But see how they reacted to that storm. Jesus said, how is it you have no faith? 
It's possible then to have no faith. That's one degree of faith. We find that the Bible also mentions little faith, Matthew 6, verse 30. In in this portion of his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking about being filled with anxiety over the necessities of life. I imagine this is something we have all experienced. In dealing with that issue, Jesus said, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? We already pointed out it's possible to have no faith. Here Jesus talked about having little faith. Now let's look at James 2 and 17. James 2 and 17. James says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This verse reveals another degree of faith. Here the Bible talks about a dead faith. Of course, that kind of faith is not pleasing to God. We see from the scriptures there are different degrees of faith. It's possible to have no faith. It's possible to have little faith, and it's possible to have a dead faith. I suggest that leaves one more. It's possible to have great faith. Let's consider the backgrounds of two people who had great faith. And we're now looking in Matthew again, Matthew chapter 8 at verse 10. Jesus made this statement about a centurion, an officer in the Roman army. He would have been a Gentile. His servant was ill. He begged the Lord to heal his servant, and the Lord did. Notice what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. That's quite a statement to make about a man who was a Gentile. And now in Matthew, look at chapter 15, verse 28, and see what Jesus said there. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This was a woman of Canaan, not Israel. Jesus commended her for having great faith. These verses indicate to us it's possible to have different degrees of faith, and we are concerned about pleasing God. We know without faith it is impossible to please him, but with faith we can please God. The faith that pleases God includes believing that he is. Let's go back and look at that verse again, Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. It's obviously imperative that we believe God exists. We have plenty of evidence available to us to convince us that there is a God in heaven. Faith that pleases God also includes believing he will reward those who diligently seek him. Once again, the verse says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That includes obeying God's will, a point made very clear once again in James. James chapter 2 again, looking at verse 18. 
But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe that and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. In this part of his letter, James is talking about the relationship that exists between faith and works. We've already seen from verse 17 that faith that is not backed by works of obedience is dead. It is vain. It serves no good purpose. The faith that pleases God is what we ought to be concerned about, and that faith believes that he is. The faith that pleases God also believes that God will reward those who diligently seek him. The faith that pleases God includes obeying his will, doing what he says, in other words. Well, faith is essential, and not just any faith. It is the kind of faith that God describes in his word that pleases him. I think God ought to know what pleases him, don't you? He shows us very clearly in his word the faith which is pleasing. And there's another sense in which we see faith is essential. Go back to Hebrews 11, verse 2, where it's talking about faith. It says, for by it, that's referring to faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Faith will enable us to obtain a good report, a good testimony. That's referring to the great Bible characters from the Old Testament, and we're able to read about them. But this also applies to us because they are our example. We understand that faith is essential in that it will enable us to obtain a good report. That has reference to receiving that crown of life that Jesus mentioned in Revelation 2 and 10. The source of our salvation is not our work or activity, but the work that was done by someone else, Jesus Christ. To be saved, we must accept and rely on what has been done for us. The act of relying on Jesus and his work is the very essence of faith. Salvation comes to us not through God's law, but through his promises. Romans 4 and 13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. God offers salvation through his promise. The only way to respond to a promise is by believing it and trusting it and in the one who gave it. Salvation is by grace, and faith is the natural and proper response to grace. Romans 4 and 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, 
but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Well, we've just looked at some important principles that relate to faith. We understand we need to be faithful unto death to receive that crown of life. That being the case, we know what faith is. We know that faith is based on scripture. We understand there are different levels or degrees of faith. We understand we need to have the kind of faith that pleases God, and that's the one we need to strive to have. We understand that faith is essential. It will help us to obtain a good report. I love to study about these great men and women of faith in the book of Hebrews. We really enjoyed the class that we've had. And we can receive a tremendous amount of encouragement from studying about them. We need to take some time and go back to the Old Testament as well. Read about these characters, these Bible characters, and see how they faced some difficult circumstances, and yet the Lord blessed them abundantly. When we go back to the Old Testament and examine these faithful people, let's remember these fundamentals that relate to faith. We learn from the New Testament how to be saved. We need to hear the word, believe in Jesus, repent of our sins. We must confess our belief that Jesus is the Son of God and be baptized for the remission of sins. If we follow these steps, the Lord adds us to his church. Perhaps there is someone in the assembly today that needs to be buried with Christ in baptism. If you've never done these things, we urge you to do so today. If anyone has that need or desires the prayers of faithful Christians on their behalf, we encourage them to come forward while we sing our song of invitations.